0: Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. So if none of you could hear what Jason has been How saying, about I turn on. my microphone? There's a thought. Is my microphone on? <laughs> your microphone is on. Are we just more than a little going... So your microphone has been moving. on this
1: whole time, so everybody could actually hear what I said,
0: just not very well. Right.
1: One of these days.
0: So nifty cool new OBS uh, setup. Uh, not a lot of experience using the nifty new OBS setup.
1: No. Well, see now in 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 typical TV stations, the way it is – and you've seen photographs of this, the control room of the TV station. There's all of this wall of screens, right? Mm-hmm. And nowadays, of course, with everything being digital, you have even more of this. But there are there are two settings for your uh, signal. What goes out over the air, there's one monitor in the control room that's labeled – Program and this is this is what, what, are, what this are we is looking this at?
0: is your basic um, no frills oh. interface uh, that's I have no uh, material here right um, but so it's uh, uh, those of you who are
1: watching you can see right, this those yeah. of you who
0: are listening you're missing out you're missing out but it's it's basically a a standard kind of, I mean, if you have any kind of video streaming or video recording or video chat software, it looks a lot like it Mm -hmm. um, before you start adding in all the information like uh, video clips and lower third text or anything like that. So um, it's kind of nifty.
1: Yeah. Now, and you don't even have yours in studio mode. I do not actually. Studio mode does similar to what we've been talking about. So your TV station has the program monitor. And in in television, it's a monitor. It's not a TV set um, because of the function it is, because you're monitoring your signal, of course. And the program is what's actually on the air. And and the studio
0: mode looks kind of like this, where you have uh, a screen where you can see what is uh, on the air and what is next to be on the air. So what's up next?
1: Which is
0: uh,
1: categorized as the preview monitor. Mm -hmm. And in traditional control rooms what's on the program monitor is framed by the color red and what's in preview is framed by the color green and so i suggested a long time ago and i don't know if anybody else did or not but i the, the idea was if you're going to do this so it's streaming like you're like you're on a tv station then you should have program and preview and do the colors so you can you can organize a little bit better and you can keep track of what you're doing mm-hmm. a little bit better. And this new version of OBS has that and it has the wall of screens mm-hmm. uh, where you can pop out a window and you could see little thumbnails of all of your different sources. So I thought, oh, this is really cool. Because uh, when Lori was over here for training last week, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we got an update on OBS, and so I went ahead and downloaded it. And I thought it it popped up on this this multi view, this multi one. What is what is this? <laughs> this is new. And so I finally got to dig into it a little bit. I thought, oh, this is going to be very helpful. But uh, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve mm-hmm. for everybody, uh, including me, and. Um, It's going to require another monitor attached to the computer, so I have to have three now, and that means I have to get a new video card (laughs) that accommodates more than two outputs because right now I can only do two. I can only do so two outputs. So would this be
0: others. the time for you to, to get the new computer?
1: Uh, well,
0: <clears throat> maybe. Because you know. But
1: this would also be the time for us to mention our Subscribestar <laughs> account for $5 a month. You can subscribe. You can you can support us with, uh, with a very small pittance.
0: Or you could give us a lot of money and Jason could upgrade his computer.
1: We do have a PayPal account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And we are going to be launching at some point an Indiegogo campaign to raise money to help cover some of these expenses like um, travel. Because in three days, two days, we're leaving for Chicago to go to Star Wars Celebration. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, after that, uh, assuming that we're able to.
0: And if not like expired from excite- the excitement uh, of Star Wars uh, well, Celebration. was
1: that? Well, see... And it, I know, oh, like man. I said. See, and there's some stuff... Things you can't say yet. There's yes. some stuff I'm trying to organize that I haven't organized yet, that if they do get organized, it's going to be one of those, you know, giant feathers in our cap.
0: So if he editor. does expire from excitement, memorial cash to help finance yeah. some of this stuff is also acceptable. Yes. Because I am... Um, one of the reasons that there's even OBS on this laptop is that we are trying to, to look at the possibility of, because we've had some technical issues. It's trying to have some <laughs> some backups. So I'm trying to set up stuff at my place, and also with the laptop being uh, uh, a little more mobile than my large stationary iMac. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, the the technology I have is is newer. But we – there's no guarantee it's not – we're not going to run into some of the same technical limitations because none of it is – this laptop is from work. This is not – this is not, you know, ooh, let's get something that's like sewer-powered graphic, you know, workhorse computer like you can you can buy or build or whatever.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I have I have thought for a number of years about what kind of machine I would build because yeah. – if you go into the places like Best Buy or Micro Center or you know some place where they sell computers, none of them anymore are useful at all for anything that we do because um, they don't have any ports. There are no yeah. USB ports. You know it's you know the keyboard's wireless, the mouse is wireless. You know, they have maybe one port, maybe two ports. I need twenty five. You know yeah, I. I
0: three on this laptop and and you can tell this laptop's not exactly brand new because there's actually a and
1: there's there's actually a
0: cd dvd drive
1: you also don't have a vga port that you can't you can't connect a second monitor to it you can connect hdmi right but that's only a signal going out right that you know if if you had if you had a a tv connected to the laptop as a second monitor as it were. OBS would still not see it mm-hmm. as a source. Whereas in my, in, in, in my computer, uh, the tower at least, I have two actual monitors connected into the video card. So I have – you can take your mouse and you can sweep from one monitor to the next. It's all right, yeah. one big display. And so uh, the capabilities of the technology being such – what I usually use is when we do when we do things uh, with OBS, you know, when we record uh, conference calls like we do with Trailer Park or Tardis Sauce, or if we're recording interviews for Good Morning Multiverse, one of those monitors is dedicated to that call, right? <coughs> Excuse me, and then we can do what's called monitor capture in OBS, and then that monitor becomes a source into the other into the software and so one one monitor i'm using to control all the broadcast and the other one the monitor becomes almost like a camera right now with this new multi-view panel i don't have any place to put it because if i put it on that second if i put it on that second monitor Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to see the 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 monitor capture only sees that and uh so it's yeah it's it take a little getting used to. Yeah. Oh, and I did find, uh, speaking of our Indiegogo campaign, I did find the robot stickers. Oh, yeah? Do you remember uh, oh, when was that? I looked at the invoice on it, the ship date? 2013. That stuff's been sitting in the closet for six years waiting for us to use it for an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're the you know, the, the the family stickers that you see on the backs of cars of mm. the millennials and the soccer moms and tell you how many kids there are so you know what kind of stuff they have at home and you can break in and steal it. Um, we have Is that what those are for? That's what those are for. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I'm, see, because I've I can always come wondered. in I can
1: see how many how many kids you've got, how many how many animals you've got.
0: Between that and baby on board, which I always thought was to let you know how many points.
1: Yeah. Really, but the, but but we have a set of twenty-five of those robot stickers. And actually, mm-hmm. if you want to vamp a minute, I can get one out.
0: Vamp a minute. So yeah. the reference. Oh. So uh, as a as a father, um, um, obviously, I do not recommend uh, running into cars because they have baby on board symbols. That's actually a reference to a film called Death Race 2000. Not the remake with Jason Statham, which is not actually a movie as far as I can tell. Uh, but the original one with uh, uh, David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone. And uh, the complete ludicrousness and and over-the-top exaggerated madness of that film. Um, that I highly recommend. But I cannot recommend Jason Statham. Because I, I watched it, I'm sad to say. You watch what? The Jason Statham Death Death Race two thousand. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Some remakes just miss the point of the original. Okay. So completely. Here, here it is. Build your own robot
1: family <laughs> car decals. It says here, soon the world will welcome their new robot overlords, your family. So you have a bunch of stickers here that you can pick and choose and That's cute. Uh, that's uh <laughs> those are from Think Geek. We got those in 2013 when we first started talking about doing a fundraiser. And uh, you got your, you know, your mom and your pop and kids and your robots and other robots and robot dog and robot cat.
0: The robot cat does not appear to actually have any legs, which means flying robot cats. Be afraid! Be very afraid!
1: That face that looks like Eve from uh, mm-hmm. Wall E. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Only evil. Which means which means that cat's probably female, which makes it doubly dangerous. Because,
0: you know... Female of the species. Women. It's more dangerous than the male. <laughs> Assuming he survives to die of excitement at uh, <laughs> Star Wars Celebration because... I
1: gotta drive. I'm the taxi driver. So <laughs> you know.
0: Assuming you survive
1: <laughs> prior to that. Oh, uh, well, you know. That's the way it is. So, what we, are we talking? about? Because we now? like
0: Mindy, yes. And if, we do. if she has to use us for like an alibi, eh, I mean, you know, I've known you longer, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just remember, bury the body vertical; it's harder to find. Right?
0: I we we this is <laughs> this is enough to put you in several places. We live mm-hmm. we live uh, minutes from another state. Uh huh. <laughs> There's a, and it's Kansas. There's uh-huh. lots of places to hide. I mean, um, but, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I uh, we've never. No, Mindy, we would never do such a thing. No.
1: Oh, you know what we ought to be talking about? Hmm. The Starlog Month. Hey, we could. We should be talking about the Starlog Month. Oh, that's kind of a neat little fact.
0: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's April. It's time.
1: I'm 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 tired.
0: You know what? Um, it, it's it's okay <laughs> yeah, to be excited about Starlog Month.
1: It is, yeah. Um, okay, so we launched this on Sunday, the seventh. Today we're we're broadcasting this on the eighth. And for those of you who have been following the show since we came back, we are debating whether or not to keep this particular show on Saturday afternoons because it appears that Monday nights uh kind of work better for the live stream in terms of the number of of viewers. For example, right now we have a total of 6. Hey guys, watching our show. Thanks for watching. And um and so uh we're we're debating whether or not to to change the program light up a little bit to where this show is out on on Monday nights. Now we used to record
0: thing. on Thursdays. Yes. And
1: and then we started streaming on Thursdays,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right before I killed everything. So
0: right, so you guys let us know where where would you prefer to if you're watching us live or listening to us live, depending on whether or however or maybe you're driving home and you're listening to the stream as opposed to watching it. Right, um, you know how how do you like it? Where do you, where do you want where do you want to hear us? I
1: think for me, on a logistic standpoint. Monday night, kind of works. It works
0: fine for me. Depending on what's going on with work, I mean, we've we've yeah. done some of this stuff virtually before. We do it as a call. It's always nice to do it in person because we get a chance to play off each other here. But you know, right. there's, uh, you know, either way is fine. So possibilities.
1: Yeah. We're we're debating back and forth and see what that is. So so
0: there's this Starlog Month thing for those of you. We're going to assume that there's a certain number of you who know what Starlog is. I would hope. Um, and if you don't, here's just a fantastic opportunity to dive back into a very, very important part of fandom and, and the, the really kind of the explosion of science fiction and fantasy in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starlog came along at just the right time. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a touchstone for a lot of fans mm-hmm. uh, of an age.
0: Um, I was going back through uh, because I'm, uh, we've, I've got a quick little blurb thing I'm going to write about when I first, uh, my first memories of Starlog. And I went back through the archive looking for covers that yeah. I recognized. Yeah. And I think I may have actually found, I'm not, I, can't, I can't be sure, I was like seven or eight. All right. But because uh, it was right around Star Wars time, mm-hmm. yep. But I'm pretty sure I know, uh, at least have the earliest cover that I can remember having seen as a kid.
1: And it's funny you mention you mention Star Wars because um, Starlog started publication in August of 1976, mm-hmm. and a. Few I want to. I want to say it was not too many issues after that. They had a preview. That well, and in that, I think it's either in the first or second issue. There's a little two sentence blurb <laughs> about this new science fantasy flick that's about to start shooting called Star Wars. It's just. I mean, just a barely a mention in the in the liner notes at mm-hmm. the beginning. And then, um, oh, how far we've come. <laughs> well, and then right after that, then you had Worldcon. You had Charlie right, Lippincott yep. show up at, at Worldcon, and Mark Hamill was there to, you know, talk about this new thing mm-hmm. called Star Wars. Yeah. And it was a completely different experience mm-hmm. then as, as it is now. And, you know, of course, now you've got Star Wars celebration, and you got D23, and you've got these places where Star Wars is a big thing. But, um, August of, of nineteen seventy six is when it started, and the last issue, issue number three seventy four, was in July. Was in April mm. of two thousand nine. It was ten years ago this month, and as I understand it, the publication date was April seventh, which is why we kicked everything off on on the seventh this month. Right, with. Um, uh, just basically a little note from me talking about what we're going to do. And it involves conducting a number of interviews with people who were there. Um, we have already talked to... Well, uh, Should I say who we've talked to yet?
0: No. Okay. okay. <clears throat> and here's why. Because, first of all, these names will only mean, for a lot of these names won't mean much to folks who don't know enough about the the behind-the-scenes parts of Starlog. Mm -hmm. But you want to be watching and reading because they have incredible stories to tell. Yes. And I think as as we record these for the rest of the month, we should definitely come back and talk about some of these folks specifically.
1: Well, and I I have a thought about how we... Wrap the month up, but I can't say yet. Okay, <laughs> because I haven't. Well, I haven't. Uh-huh. I haven't arranged it yet, um, because we've been. I've been talking to all of these people about you know doing the uh, doing
0: these interviews. We should definitely say that these are people who are intimately involved with the creation oh, yeah. and the editing and the and I'm so much involved with the actual behind the scenes publication of the magazine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're critical. In many cases, to the success, and and we're very much involved with fandom, and we're involved with uh, people who were yep. uh, really without these folks, we would not have had the the really incredible run Starlock had.
1: And I have gotten a couple of anecdotes, mm-hmm. you know, some things what happened that. May not be anything that's been published in interviews before. No. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I remember this time this thing happened. Um, I remember. Uh, well, I'll give you, a for instance, and this this is something that I can do this without giving anything away. Mm, sure. Yeah. One of the people that I talked to, he was a writer on the on the on the magazine, and he said he went in and, and his his early days, he was fresh out of college. A lot of these guys were. Mm-hmm. And he says that one day he got pulled into the office. He said he was in the habit of of writing these really long leads.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And got set down. I started reading his, his lead into this one article he was doing. Mm-hmm. And kept reading until he ran out of breath. <laughs> and said... Somewhere in there there's a period. Find it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's interesting to hear these stories about about the experiences they had because it is a little different. Well, it's a lot different now than it was then because nowadays with you know with computers you have digital technology and word processors it's all cut and paste and you can just you know take and lift it out of one program and you put it in another program it's done Zip zoom. back then you didn't have that you had paste ups you had mechanicals you had physical copies of the things that you had to arrange and stick to a page and you know, line by line, put the copy in and the text, and here's the photograph, and write the caption, and here's the title and thing. Mm-hmm. Put it in an envelope and give it to the courier to take to the to the printer after, after the art department had all of their stuff. So there are a lot more involved steps in the physical production of the book.
0: So I actually learned to do I'm all that now. stuff in college. And Of course, I, I was in college in the late 80s early 90s and where it was still uh, uh, computers were computer publishing has not uh, using computers for computer graphics or publishing was not something it was being done but it was not being done wide in a widespread way yeah and so they taught us that we actually i mean in graphic design class we learned how to do layouts for newspapers and things like that Mm -hmm. which i actually used yeah what it's been about seven years now since i made the music video you, that kind of blows my mind. Uh, um, has it
1: really been that long? It seems like. I think it was, oh, two, I
0: think it was 2012. Um, wow. But we, we had a... Uh, it, the music video was set in the 1930s, 1940s. And so we, we, had, we built a fake newspaper. Mm-hmm. And my brain... Even though I was using more the more modern tools, my brain was actually going through the same processes to do this right. so I mean it's you know this is not to knock modern publishing there's a lot there's you still have to use these skills, but it, it was a much more manual process it was a much more physical thing as opposed to yeah and,
1: you know, in nineteen ninety eight I worked for a weekly newspaper
0: mm-hmm.
1: for a while uh, you know sold ads did the layout you know did graphic designs, wrote a couple of articles and the we, the we they were on a, uh, Apple's, Apple computers, to write the articles mm, and do mm-hmm. all the layout right, yeah. and everything. And then you'd print out the physical copy of the page mm-hmm. or the article or the whatever. Right, yeah. And, of course, you're printing them out on 11 by 17 sheets of paper that have all of these holes and gaps. So then you'd cut your article. Yeah. And then you'd take it over to the board and you'd mm-hmm. say, okay, it's going on this page and – you you put the adhesive on there and you stick it on and it's okay there it is. No, that doesn't work. We have to make room for this X and so right, you got to yeah, put it over on yeah. this page. And that would be the book. Every week you'd do that. We'd print all of this stuff out and we'd tape you know paste it up and and put it on the boards and then the boards would go to the printer and the printer would print it off. So now it's not like that.
0: No no no, no. thank God. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: but see then then you have the you know the return of fangoria Mm -hmm. because i mean starlog has past april of 2009 starlog still has a history because issue 374 was the last published issue Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the last issue 375 Mm -hmm. Was ready to go, but it never it never printed. Right, and there are still some outstanding debts, as it were, some people who did not get paid
0: for the last the mm-hmm. last couple of issues, right. for doing the work that they did. Which happens when businesses go out of business.
1: Yeah, well, and and they were not helped by the fire. There was a the a, the printer had a warehouse where they stored extra copies of the magazine mm-hmm. and at one point there was a massive fire that destroyed pretty much all of the back back catalog. Yeah. So all the back issues are gone. Anything that you find of Starlog now is just haphazard blind luck that you're going to find something. Either that or you find it on eBay or or something like that. Right. Where, uh, you know, all of those things... You know, they could have sold back issues and maybe made a a dollar or two. Well, they couldn't do that now.
0: You can't find a lot of these stuff uh, archived online. Not everything. Yeah.
1: Funny thing about that. Yeah. I got told from somebody who knows fairly well what's happened in that
0: time Mm -hmm. period
1: that... Whoever scanned all of the Starlog issues and put them up at archive.org didn't have permission to do that. Oh. Nobody secured the rights to that. Nobody's been paid for that.
0: Mm, sure, right.
1: So, it, I mean, it's there it's it's out there and 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 it gets referred back. you know, some people will say you know they link back to these articles and say here's right. here's where you can find this article. But yeah, turns out it was not it was not an officially sanctioned mm-hmm. project. There is another guy out there, John Zipperer, who has a, a website, um, the Weimar. Weimer news report or something. I, I, he covers a number of different topics, but he's got a section on his site uh, that is called the Starlog Project. And what he does is he goes back through any documents and and does sort of an overview of what's in every issue. Mm. You know, this is you know, here's here's this interview with John Carpenter. here's sure. this interview with with uh, Franz Waxman or you know, who, whatever. And it's a pretty thorough. You know he he's every single issue is in there, and he talks about you know what's in the issue and what's in the liner notes, and and even makes note of when uh, when new staffers come on board. Mm-hmm. It's the first time for you know somebody like Bob Greenberger to come in, or you know right. this, yeah. it's Bob Martin's last issue or whatever. So so it's 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 interesting to kind of dig into all of this. Oh yeah. Especially when you have people that are that are talking to you about about doing it, mm-hmm. and then of course you know we we post some stuff. I I posted a link to my article in the Starlog magazine Facebook group, mm-hmm. and of course was like, "Is Starlog coming back? Is Starlog coming back?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no," because I had to make it very clear, right, that we're not bringing Starlog back. No, as much as I would love to. We are not bringing Starlog back. We
0: are celebrating. We're Starlog. celebrating
1: Starlog. We don't own Starlog. A company out of Dallas called CineState does. And um, the the rumblings that I hear from people that I've talked to, they seem to think that CineState is is maybe going to do an okay job because they've brought Fangoria back. Um as a quarterly. As a quarterly, as a print-only publication, mm-hmm. which I that's the one thing because I've talked to the Cinestate people, because you know we had to we had to get certain clearances and and make sure that they were going to be okay with us doing right, this. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, uh, really? And um, if you've watched Trailer Park, which is the show where we talk about movie trailers, Preston Fossil is on the panel there, and he's a contributor mm-hmm. now to Fang- to the current Fangoria. So we're you know we're trying to make sure that we stay you know we play nice with Cinestate. Oh yeah, and. um That's the one – the one thing that they've decided to do that I'm not quite sure is the best decision to keep Fangoria as a print-only publication. I understand why they're doing it. I'm not sure I agree that it's the best course of action. Now, it could very well be that they get a year in and, okay. this this phase is done now we move on to this phase and and whatever and they expand it but it just seems to me that there should be an online component when you're when you're in this day and age where yeah you've got people like us who would love to get their hands on a physical book There's also that generation that's wired into devices and such that they...
0: Yeah, but I'll tell you what, though. It occurs to me that in this era where the cons are ubiquitous, Uh where you can go to just about, well, hmm, how many cons are are happening the rest of the year? Pretty sure we have a number, don't we?
1: We (laughs) have... where it, I think fifteen fifteen hundred and eight.
0: Okay, so yeah. say you send, sell ten copies of Fangoria at each con. Hmm. Um. That's a pretty significant, you know, and that's that's like massively under <laughs> under what you're probably selling there. Um. And the inter the, the market is flooded online. I mean, sure, it's nice to have it's nice to have a, a presence. I think to be true, but at the same time. You know there is the the print market has shrunk drastically yeah. the the field is much more open than it used to be um because a lot of people got out of print entirely
1: well and and some of that uh, at least in more recent um, in more recent years is this whole pivot to video. We're not going to do anything on online. We're not going to do anything in print. Right, yeah. We're going to do all video because Facebook said video is the thing. And, of course, we find out that Facebook lied. Shock and surprise.
0: Um, we keep being terribly, terribly surprised that these large companies are in the business of making money and not basically in, in providing uh, the betterment of humanity. No. I'm not sure why this is a surprise to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, well, not sort of, I, I'm not saying I wasn't surprised, too. I'm just saying... At what point did we fail to grasp the fact that they were in the business of making money? Well,
1: see, and you got to wonder how much money they're actually making when you've got the algorithm keeps changing to the point where people, uh, people are people aren't are giving them money
0: more. People are giving them ad dollars. I uh, guess we're not. No, but you know, well, speaking
1: of changing the rules, you guys who are watching this, you folks who are watching this on on YouTube right now, um, we crossed a threshold today. Finally. Yes. We are now at one thousand subscribers ah! on our YouTube channel. We're very Excellent. excited about that. That's one more piece of the puzzle that needs to be in place for us to get our monetization tools back mm-hmm. and to be able to stream directly from mobile devices. Right. We we tried this Last week, before we went to Wizard World St. Louis to make sure that it was going to work, and we get a pop up, you know, I I pull up my phone and say, okay, we're going to live stream, and I get a pop up: you know, eligibility. You have to have at least you have to have a thousand subscribers instead of read more. So I click the read more. You got to have a thousand subscribers. Well, now we do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> But we're still not able to stream directly from mobile device because apparently YouTube has to review our channel now. Ah, sure, gotcha. Because, you know, that's the thing. And we may not hear back for another month.
0: There are a few different YouTube's accounts out there. Yeah. A couple of three billion uh, YouTube accounts.
1: <laughs> so, in the meantime, what we might end up doing Uh, And this is something that we've got to figure out for for Star Wars Celebration. We will probably use a combination of both the YouTube channel and the Twitch channel Mm -hmm. uh, as as part of our coverage because we are going to be in various different places throughout the week. So in order to make it easier, uh, we'll probably do a group call on YouTube in the morning and then maybe one in the afternoon. And then throughout the day, we'll each individually broadcast through the Twitch channel. As an ongoing thing, but we haven't figured out all of that out yet. It's gonna be a
0: loopy, loopy week, I tell you. But probably a lot of fun. I'm not going. I'm gonna be here. I got the day job and everything to do. And yes, but the stuff
1: you are—you are here being the the reliable one in master control, right, Scotty? <laughs> Because somebody has to has to mind the store while the away team is on the planet, right? Amongst the Indians, not
0: a miracle worker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I tell you, with the technology being the way it is, and as cantankerous it is as it is, we, we, will we may our, not even. We will
0: do our level best. That are, is what um, we are um, going to do.
1: Miracle worker might not be enough.
0: We we will do our level best. Um, so yeah. Um, something to look forward to
1: but yeah I I want to tell people I want to tell people what we're talking about some of the people I well I did an interview today not as a Starlog interview Mm -hmm. but I did an interview today with somebody that um, if you are of an age again you will recognize the name or you'll recognize his face Uh, especially in light of the movie that just opened in theaters.
0: Dumbo? No, not Dumbo. Yes. Yes, he's, he interviewed Walt Disney. It was a seance. No.
1: <laughs> well, he's still alive. He's just a cryogenic freeze, right? Without this. Without this. Well, just, it's Walt Disney's head. I... Um, Well, I guess I could say this because it's not not a thing. I talked to Jackson Bostwick, Mm -hmm. the original television Captain Marvel. Actually, the second person ever to play Captain Marvel, if Mm -hmm. I got my history right. Tom Taylor was the first. Captain Marvel, for those of you who are not aware of the history of Captain Marvel, we're not talking about Marvel Comics Captain Marvel. We're talking about Fawcett Comics. Captain Marvel, whiz comics.
0: Because there have been something like four or five or six different characters named Captain Marvel on the Marvel comics side of things. Yes. We're uh, going
1: back much farther than that, 1939, mm-hmm. and what happened was um, uh, Bill Palmer and C.C. Beck, C.C. Beck was the artist, mm-hmm. designed Captain Marvel to look like Fred McMurray, right? Yeah, um, who was, was, you may know, he was the dad on My Three Sons. He was the, the absent minded professor. Mm-hmm. He was the one that came up with Flubber. Um, uh, best performance I ever saw from him was Double Indemnity. Oh, yeah. Fantastic movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's in black and white, but you'll get over it. Um, uh, but, yeah, Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, Edward G. Robinson. hmm it's great. It's a, oh, it's a great film. thriller film. It's great. So, um, so CC Beck designed Captain Marvel to look like Fred McMurray. And He's a superhero, and his he derives his powers from magic, and Fawcett Comics printed the title was Wiz Comics, and and Captain Marvel was one of the one of the characters in the, the story and until they got sued by DC Comics
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they said you you're ripping off Superman. And for a long time, Captain Marvel was out of print. Right there was there was no Captain Marvel comics.
0: Um, the 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 court settlement was something akin to the equivalent of millions of dollars in modern money. Yeah, so it was a pretty. I mean, it was they paid a pretty significant chunk of of money to to basically not publish the character for a really long time.
1: Right, and then Marvel came up with their own captain marvel character characters and of course then there was marvel man that that neil gaiman and tom uh, was it neil gaiman well and neil tom gaiman they, they, didn't,
0: they didn't start off with it but it was uh, marvel man was it's a british it was a british superhero um and f- for if you know anything about british superhero publishing a significant chunk of, of what british kids grew up with were reprints of american comic books that were basically brought over, and they were usually in black and white, and, and it was a whole different thing. There were not that many homegrown British superheroes um, until probably the 80s, yeah. um, really, um, and, and 90s, and Miracle Man, or Marvel Man. Um, and then for licensing reasons, uh, had to be changed to Miracle Man. Right. Right. And Alan Moore wrote for the character. Neil Gaiman wrote for the character. Uh, Neil Gaiman, I think, was was the writer at the end. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole huge huge rights issue with that as well.
1: Yeah, that, I think it took what ten 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 or so years to. I think longer figure but, that out. <clears throat> yeah, they finally settled it what three four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you had that character, and then you had all of the different Captain Marvels in Marvel. In the meantime, DC Comics had acquired Fawcett mm-hmm. and Charlton. And you know a number of the smaller presses and absorbed all of their characters and said, "Hey, we can bring Captain Marvel back." And mm-hmm. Marvel said, "Oh no, you can't."
0: Now they and, were actually publishing comic books with Captain Marvel as Captain Marvel at the time because Captain mm-hmm. Marvel was showing up in Justice League International. Um, he was showing up; had his own comic in uh, a few, a few different shorter run comics. Except
1: in his own solo titles, he was never. The titles were never.
0: Captain Marvel. Right, right. It was the power of Shazam, or or something along those lines. Yeah,
1: and the TV show on CBS Saturday morning was Shazam. You had the Shaz- you had Shazam Isis Hour mm-hmm. or whatever. So there was precedent for the title being Shazam while the character's name was Captain Marvel. But then there was a big lawsuit between Marvel and DC mm-hmm. that ended up Marvel could call their characters Captain Marvel and DC could call their character, Captain Marvel, but the title of the book could never say anything about Captain right. Marvel. And then they revamped everything with the new 52, and for some inexplicable reason, Jeff Johns or whoever whoever was in charge of that particular decision-making process decided, let's call him Shazam all the time. I was like, That's not his name. He's not Shazam. Shazam is the wizard. Shazam is the Wizard. Well, and they tried
0: to for for those of you who follow this stuff in story in story mode, I guess, is they tried to actually make the Billy Batson Captain Marvel become essentially the equivalent of the Wizard Shazam and so the other Marvels became the, you know, Captain Marvel Jr. and all these things. Yeah. And it was they're playing they were playing with the story and, and, and trying to do stuff. And I think it was an interesting idea that simply didn't work all that well because that's not what fans wanted out of it. Right. And one of the things that's always been really, really cool about the character, and which I think the movie uh, from a lot of the reviews seems to have captured, is that there's a sense of fun. The character has always been fun he's he's always been a little silly I mean, this is a character with a talking tiger this yeah. is a character with um so a lot of the reviews but, i've been seeing is that there's a certain amount of fun to it that is is often missing from a lot of superhero films
1: uh, having seen it mm-hmm. i can agree with that up to a point mm-hmm. it's a fun movie it's goofy it skates the edge of the line. Maybe dips his toe right over into parody territory in some spots. Mm-hmm. Maybe it pushes a little bit too far into the goofy. Mm-hmm. But as I'm as I'm thinking about the movie, I saw, I saw it a week ago uh, at a preview. the The one big thing that bothers me. Yeah. And I'm going to put this in my review. The one big thing that bothers me. With this this iteration of the character, and this goes back to Jeff Johnson, New Fifty Two. This idea that you have a fourteen year old kid inside the body of an adult.
0: Mm.
1: You know, this movie is big with a cape. There's even an there's even a shout out in the middle of a battle sequence, which
0: we mentioned I think last week that we were hoping that there would be one. It's
1: there. It's there. And it's not a blink and you'll miss it. It's an obvious nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Look what we're doing here. We know what kind of movie we're making. It's it's almost too obvious. It's almost too too Hmm. you know. Yes, we know we're just. It's too self aware. But the one how thing can, that bothers me about I this, don't think there's
0: any way to avoid being self aware when making a big reference. Yeah, mean, but the one thing, how are you going to get away with it? Tom Hanks walks by and goes, yeah, gives him a the, double take.
1: But the one thing. I was almost waiting for him to show up. Um, but the one thing that bothers me about this movie one, they have replaced Black Adam with Savannah. It's essentially New 52, issue number one. And. Black Adam is not in this movie, even though Bla- it's Black Adam's story.
0: Well, but there's actually I've read I, I read somebody pointing out that Black Adam makes an appearance. He owns not makes an appearance by name. The wizard yeah. tells you yeah, about him. Yeah, you get him. that story. You get that story. So, but, yeah,
1: it, but Savannah has it was never supposed to have these powers. Yeah, and I and and it's explained how he's got them, and it makes sense inside the story. Mm, and okay, okay, okay. but. It's not Captain Marvel. The thing that bothers me about this version of the character is the transformation is not complete. Because the the way it's supposed to go, Billy Batson, who's this young 14-year-old orphan kid, says the the name Shazam. He gets zapped by lightning he gets transformed to the world's mightiest mortal. That was his name. Mm -hmm. That was his nickname. The world's mightiest mortal. Captain Marvel. The wisdom of Solomon. The strength of Hercules. The stamina of Achilles. No. Stamina of Atlas. The power of Zeus. The bravery of Achilles. Mm. And the speed of Mercury. Well, there's two things missing from this character throughout the entire film is the wisdom of Solomon and the bravery of Achilles. He's a goofball and he plays it like the 14-year-old in the man's body like, like Tom mm-hmm. Hanks did with Big. And that, and, but that's what you're expecting. But there's one particular place where this bus is about to fall off the, off the bridge and he's just standing there. He's like, well, what do I do? No, 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 don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Wait, you idiot. Wisdom of Solomon. Strength of Hercules. Is bravery it, of Achilles. If this, he has the bravery of Achilles, he should not be hiding behind Freddy in the convenience store. Is in this not an story. origin story? It doesn't matter. Sure the it magic does. No, the magic transformation. If you are, because if the transformation is going to turn him into an adult, And give him the speed of Mercury, and give him all of these things because he's pure of heart. Now
0: remember, he's pure of heart. Or he just grows into them as the character, and they've had maybe they even maybe they even have a plan.
1: That's not how it's supposed to
0: work. Maybe they even have a plan.
1: No, that's not how it's supposed to work. That's not how the character works. And I have it on good authority. Except the
0: character has been working like that for quite a while now yeah it's been it's been this way for a while and it's actually been a fairly popular the the, the, the extended know, Marvel but, family has actually been fairly popular with readers well
1: yeah but
0: so it's a change yes no no uh, argument it's a, it's a change from what it was like when I was a kid yeah Jackson told me that CC Beck told him mm-hmm.
1: that his portrayal was the closest to anything that they had that they had Envisioned for the character.
0: That's excellent. That's very cool.
1: And this is nothing
0: like. It. I don't <laughs> like. That's not. Wait. Well, okay, but but you know we. there the the long discussion about how, how characters originally appeared and how they have come to be I known. Know. We can go back to Batman carrying a gun in his first appearances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. The thing is, is that we all have our own favorite versions of the characters, and this is no. There, it's always that way. I am. It, it. this, this is going to sound va- vaguely blasphemous to a lot of people. Um, I've read Star-Lord, the, the, the adventures of Star-Lord in the comic books um, long before there was a Guardians of the Galaxy that looked anything like the current one. Oh, yeah. There used to be yeah. an earlier version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Star-Lord has his own, God, was he in, I don't even remember, he wasn't even, he didn't even have his own comic, I don't think, or he made it, made, anyway, the character was completely different Mm -hmm. And it was very, I mean, the book was completely different. I actually have a very big fondness for that version of the character. As much fun as it is, the the version (laughs) that, that this whole Guardians that we see now, it's not the Guardians I grew up with. And so it's like when they say that this is an obscure team, I'm like, no, it's an obscure name. Mm-hmm. This is not the team <laughs> that I grew up with. So, I mean, you know, as much as well, I love this the stuff. Sec-
1: well, the it, the, the movie group is the second group, I think, the second iteration um, of the I'm not even is, sure about the, the numbers, comics. but the thing is, second is that the
0: comic versions that you see now are based more on the movie versions than they ever yeah. were on the comic versions of the characters. So, it's a give and, and take kind and of thing. And that may not always be a good thing sometimes it is not the current on the other hand i'm extremely fond of of the current version of what they're doing with the hulk even though it's completely different than anything they've done before well it's not bruce banner oh it is bruce banner oh it is yeah but see the in the so original hulk again he's the hulk again ah. because a funny thing happened they, they went back and they said okay the hulk used to, bruce banner used to turn into the hulk at night Okay. And they said, "Let's let's play with this a little bit." So now, basically, it turns out you can't kill the Hulk at night. He's basically in the name of the I think the name of the title might actually be the, "The Immortal Hulk." Yeah. yeah, And so basically, you can you can shoot him, you can blow him up, but if it's nighttime, he'll just look at you and go, "Nice try." Hmm. And it, they've made it into a straight up horror title hmm. where the Hulk is literally a monster, yeah. and Banner is often very afraid because you know he's part of it sure. but at the same time i mean it's just I'm, i check out check it out if you're interested at all in this kind of you know departure from the character that at least is interesting and they've managed to bring back a lot of characters who died over the last several years in the Hulk and do it in a kind of terrifying way. I'm like, yeah. interesting stuff, guys. Who's I writing know. that book? I'm not sure who's writing it right now, but it's interesting. I mean, I think it's an interesting take. But it's drastically different than the Hulk that I grew up with or the current or the, the Hulk you're seeing in the movies yeah. or anything like that. It's an interesting so yes, we have our favorite versions of the characters. And some of them Will fight you tooth <laughs> and nail, uh, but some of them are. You know, at least the cool thing about comic books is that you can play with this stuff. And you can explore with this stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's not always for the better,
0: though. Oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to disagree with that. There's the there,
1: Al Ewing, Joe Bennett on art.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really interesting comic books out right now. There's there are well, there's a new version. Um, and and this this may be a little obscure for some people, but there was a um, there's something called used to be called the Wildstorm Universe. Uh-huh. And they were actually not part of DC, but DC had the rights to them. And in the New Fifty Two, they incorporated some of those characters into the DC uh, canon. Which
1: this d- is Dwayne McDuffie's group, right?
0: Uh, this was while well, Alan Moore wrote uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. for That's some right. of this That's stuff, right. and and basically it was the Authority. It was Stormwatch.
1: McDuffie's um, was milestone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Stormwatch, Achilles, Team Achilles actually was a was a center of a, some some scandal where it turned out that the writer turned out to have been lied about his military service, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, this was. The Authority, in particular, was a comic book that was written to be sort of a response – this was during the Alan Moore time of writing it <laughs> – um, or there was definitely this sort of uh, – was it Alan Moore? Anyway, doesn't Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it was a response to what was going on in other comics. So basically, it was, what if the Avengers were sociopaths? Right. And which led to stories like, what if the Marvel Universe was psychopaths and the sociopaths were the good guys because, uh, I mean, it was crazy stuff. Some of it was really, really fantastic writing and it kind of went off the rails as time went by. And eventually the Wildstorm universe essentially got burned to the ground. And then DC picked it up and went, well, let's see if we can salvage some of the ashes. (laughs) There's a new um, Wildstorm. It's called The Wildstorm. And it's it's what, it reimagines all of that in a different in a in a in a world that looks remarkably like ours, hmm. um, but with like <clears throat> flying saucers from the '50s and well, sure. and government built superheroes, and it's kind of crazy, but it's actually one of the better yeah. reimaginings of, of of something that I actually enjoyed quite a bit uh, when it was new, when it was new, <laughs> back in the day,
1: back in the day, and
0: and those
1: kind of things would have been covered by comic scene magazine, which Mm -hmm. was also a member of the starlog group um which was started by bob greenberger
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um he was at fangoria first then over at starlog then then he left fangoria to start comic scene Mm -hmm. and that ended up when comic scene went away i think there's there was like three different times that they brought comic scene out Mm -hmm. and uh in that in that time greenberger had gone to dc comics to start writing and editing over there he was editing Star Trek and Suicide mm-hmm. Squad and, and that led to him writing Star Trek novels and now he's got crazy 8 press along with Paul Kupperberg and Peter David and some mm-hmm. other guys. Yeah. Um so oh wait, did I just give something away? Oh no. Oh. Darn. <laughs> I should I should you go look, away now.
0: You look you look I really am, contrite. I
1: am thoroughly abashed.
0: <clears throat> Is that what that looks like? I've always wondered what someone looks like when they were a bastion.
1: I'm going to go get something that we can show people. Okay, cool. And, and you can vamp again. You can vamp
0: again. La la, la. la. <laughs> uh, So, folks, here's here's the thing. Um, Jason and I talk about this sort of stuff from time to time, but if we, there are comic books and things that we are reading and we, we've clearly made it, you know, obvious that we have opinions about such things but what are you reading right now there's a question that we don't ask enough is what comic books are you reading right now what uh, what books what movies are you watching you know what what are you're listening to
1: not too many people i dare say are buying uh, buying and reading any of the mainstream comics right now because comic sales are in the tank
0: um Bad. but if there's a series that you are a fan of or one that you think that we should know about that people are not talking about Because there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of fantastic series that are not getting the love that they need.
1: There is a lot of social media chatter, buzz, about the indie comics. And whatever your feelings about Comicscape being whatever it is, these guys are making bank. These guys are making six figures on their Indiegogo campaigns. They They are publishing... Left and right, and it's not just it's not just Ethan Van Skyver. There are a lot of a lot of people out there that are sitting there going, "I don't like what Marvel and DC are doing anymore. I don't like what IDW is doing. I'm going to do my own." And they're they're writing 90s style adventure stories, for lack of a better term, and that's very that's that's painting with a very broad brush. But there are a lot of them that are doing these comics, and they're saying we don't. They're not political. We're just telling stories. And they're making money hand over fist.
0: The only thing I would say is, let's see how long it lasts.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's,
0: because the there it's, was once upon a time there was this thing called the '90s, and coming back to the '90s no, style of comics, the '90s was not a good time image, for comics.
1: Well, an image came out of that where you had a number of creators that said, "We want to own our own stuff. Sure. And we want to do our thing." So this. This almost feels like a variation of that theme, where you have the creators that are making their own books, and they're getting with artists, and they're getting with. The
0: with only the, thing I would say is that no there, there was there was a giant explosion, and I was there for it because I was a huge comic collector in the '80s and '90s. Um, I got boxes of the things uh, that I periodically open up and go, "Ooh, remember mm-hmm. this? Um, Comico. Remember Comico?" Uh huh. There were a lot of those. There were a lot of there were a lot of comic book companies. Uh, yeah. Bill William, uh-huh. uh used to write for them. Um, what I see so happening. I'm just saying that it's this is this is all very. I, I I love I love the idea of fans and and people putting out their own stuff. This is this is how we got places like Dark Horse. Yeah. This is how we got places like Image. This is how we got places like I you know any a lot of the folks that have survived,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: the playing field. Used no. to be a hell of a lot bigger. Well, yeah, and and I think
1: there's a couple of there's a couple of things I think that are going to happen in order to make that happen. One, uh, Richard Meyer is going to win his tortious interference case against Mark Wade. That that is likely to happen, according to everybody who's looked at the case. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, Katie barred the door. Uh, oh, um, um, Antarctic Press, which got bullied into cancelling Meyer's title, will now be justified and sitting there saying, okay, well we can publish this book and we'll be okay. And then you have uh, Alterna Comics, Peter Smitty's uh, uh, imprint, which is printing limited run story arcs on newsprint. He's doing Floppies for a dollar fifty, mm-hmm. and he's shipping them direct, and he's and he's selling faster than he can print them. And then you've got TKO Studios, which is doing a completely different model now. We interviewed C. Shun, who is who he was executive story editor on the last season of Gotham, but he's the publisher, mm-hmm. and they're doing runs where here's six six issues, and you have the option. All six issues are done. You can either buy six floppies, mm-hmm. you can buy a graphic novel, you can buy a digital, you can buy a combination of all of those. Mm-hmm. But they're already done by the time they get published. Right. And he's got people like Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. and and Betty Brightwiser and a lot of, I think um, I think Peter Tomasi is going to do a do a run on something. It's they're pulling in names. Mm-hmm. But I think the landscape is changing mainly because people don't want to deal with the monopoly that is diamond anymore yeah diamond is uh is a choke point for a lot of these people and and they're sort of going you know, diamond is
0: a, diamond is a distributor basically yeah. is uh, all of comics go out all of them mm-hmm. If they're if you're Most published by the by the big by the big names, yeah. you're going out through Diamond. And yep. I think they're the only game in town at they this are. point.
1: And Peter Sumetti doesn't use them. Peter yeah. Samedi, Well, I, I take it back. I think he does distribute through Diamond, but he also distributes directly. You right. can order directly from Alterna. And it's a dollar fifty on a on a floppy as opposed to what D C and Marvel are doing $10.99 for a book. Mm-hmm. And people are sitting there going, you know, I'm not gonna spend six bucks on twenty pages. Right. Especially if those 20 pages are full of somebody preaching at me that I'm the wrong think crowd.
0: Well, and I think that, that however you feel about your politics or, or any of that, the, the fact that there is an alternative way of getting any of this stuff out is going to require – it's well. It's like the internet. The internet required people to start thinking differently about how yeah. they distributed things. Bookstores had to figure it out. Um, there was this—you know—there was this time when they thought bookstores would go away because of the okay. internet. Thank know, God I they were wrong. Know, but there was, there was a legitimate fear. I was in the book business at the time.
1: I yeah. I know. I and, remember. Um, I remember. And and you know. And it hasn't. For right now, though, I mean, brick and mortar bookstores are not as healthy as they used to be. Uh, but but the, they're still around. Well,
0: but the thing is, is that it depends on what kind of brick and mortar you are. If Monsters. you're a big chain. You're right. You're not. If you're an indie, if you're a small place, if you're a single, if you have your own store and you're running your own business, if you if you you know pay attention to your customers, a lot of them did go out of business, but a lot of them survived.
1: And that's the key. Pay attention to your customers. Mm-hmm. Alternatives doing that. Um, the big publishers, not so much, because they're sitting there saying, in order to get a variant, you have to order 6,000 different copies of the original.
0: Okay, folks. First, variant covers? No. Just don't. Stop. Have, stop. Stop them. St-
1: you still have...
0: The comic bad book place.
1: stores closing on the order of fifty or sixty a year. The comic book industry is hurting, and hopefully, some of this new activity, these new ways of doing things, these new models of getting books out, might might help turn some of that around. That'd be we'll great. See. That'd be nice.
0: The, the local comic book <laughs> shop is always. Cool cool place to be
1: yeah all right so now i'm gonna i'm gonna do this reveal Yeah. yeah. and then we're gonna then we're gonna head out because we're already over our hour did did we start right at seven a little bit after all right so um in a mad scramble uh, uh, right here preparing to go to star wars celebration we have um we've been trying to get all of our pieces and parts put together and we want to advertise who we are and whatnot we got a little business cards for the for the site but now we've got t-shirts McKenna and Minnie and I are gonna wear t-shirts. Now on the back we have, the, you know, nice media and it's got our mm-hmm. got our you know, where you can find us, you know. Right, yeah. YouTube and Instagram and Twitch. Right. And then on the front, big bold as brass, Salacious Crumbs logo. That's these are that good looking shirts, crumb. folks,
0: for those of you who can't see them.
1: This is the season four logo for Salacious Crumbs. The logo has changed every season. Mm-hmm. This is the Season 4 logo, so. Oh, what? I was going to say, you can give a shout-out to who did it for us here in town. Um, Yes, thank you, Christy. Um, I don't know. What's the name? Uh, her uh, thing is Pink Rail Creations. Pink Rail Creations. Now, um, in the past, we have worked with Atomic Cotton, and the timetable was such. Mm-hmm. That we had to find somebody that could just knock these out. These are not screen printed; they're a they're a vinyl applique, so it's a it's a little bit different process that that uh, Zach could do with a fast turnaround time. But we still are going to be working with Atomic Cotton. We haven't shut him out. We haven't left him out in the cold. He is actually going to be giving us a a perk in our Indiegogo campaign, mm-hmm. which is going to launch at some point. Um, speaking of uh, perks and discounts and whatnot. I forgot to mention at the top of the hour, we have uh, an arrangement with superhero stuff.com, and you can get 10% off your order when you go there and uh, and when you go to checkout and there's a field marked discount code, just enter sci-fi for me 10 and you will get 10% off your entire order at superhero stuff.com. Okay.
0: I'm sure we'll have many, many stories to talk about when you come back from Star Wars Celebration.
1: Yes, we're going to have very many stories. And um, we're going to have plenty of stories that we'll be publishing here in the next few weeks with our Starlog tribute. Yes, yes. Um, I think we'll probably post our first one tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. I am going to break the Tuesday curse if it kills me.
0: So what you should do is make sure that it's set to go and program to it drop well, without any other interference.
1: It's all set to go. I do have one piece of artwork that I'm probably going to have to swap out because I have not heard back from the ah, Fangoria sure, right. people yet. <laughs> oh, wait. Did I just name drop Fangoria? Mm-hmm. <sighs>
0: <laughs>
1: I really need to be better about that. Yeah. Uh but yeah, we'll be dropping a new uh, a new Starlog tribute article tomorrow and we will link to that over on all of our social media and here on uh on the, our our show notes we'll link back to the beginning of that tribute and you can read that and and move forward with that. So very excited. Yeah, I'm excited. With lots of stuff happening this month. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm not going to sleep until <laughs> August. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much for joining us for this hour tonight, folks. Um, uh, if if you have a memory of Starlog, oh, yeah. leave us a comment. Tell us tell us what it was like back in the day when you were reading Starlog, or Fangoria, or Comic Scene. What did you like about the magazine? What do you miss about the magazine? And who knows, maybe there maybe there's a conversation to be had in some office somewhere <laughs> sometime maybe in the future all right that's going to do us for us thank you very much folks for for uh, for watching are we ready to roll out the end miss broadcast engineer oh yeah oh sure. uh, yeah uh, okay thanks all for right.
0: watching thanks for listening guys we'll see you next week all right good night